Glory to your name, God. We bless you in this place because you're worthy, God. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Nehemiah, the second chapter. Going to begin reading at the 11th verse. You might hear some repeat from last week. But just know we will do all God tells us and instructs us to do. Whatever his spirit leads us to do, we will do today. Amen. Nehemiah 2, starting at the 11th verse, I'm reading from the message translation, and it says, And so I arrived in Jerusalem, this is Nehemiah, after I, had, after I had been there three days, I got up in the middle of the night, and, I, and a few men who were with me, I hadn't told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. The only animal with us was the one I was riding. Under cover of night, I went past the valley gate toward the dragon's fountain to the dung gate, looking over the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken through and whose gates had been burned up. I then crossed to the fountain gate and headed for the king's pool. <clears throat> but there wasn't enough room for the donkey I was riding to get through. So I went up the valley in the dark, continuing my inspection of the wall. I came back through the valley gate. The local officials had no idea where I'd gone or what I was doing. I hadn't breathed a word to the Jews, the priests, the nobles, uh, local officials, or anyone else who had been working on the job. Then I gave them my report. Face it, we're in a bad, we're in a bad way here. Jerusalem is a wreck. Its gates are burned up. Come, let's build the wall of Jerusalem and not live with this disgrace any longer. I told them how God was supporting me and how the king was backing me up. They said, we're with you. Let's get started. They rolled up their sleeves ready for the good work. When Sanballat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite, official, and Geshem, the, A the Arab, the Arab, heard about it. They laughed at us, mocking. Ha! What do you think you're doing? Do you think you can cross the king? I shot back. The God of heaven will make sure we succeed. We're his servants and we're going to work rebuilding. You can keep your nose out of it. You get no say in this. Jerusalem's none of your business. Man. Know the word of the Lord is already blessed. Those that seek to know him and to Know his will through his word are blessed as well. Going to use for a subject, use what you have. Can you look over and tell someone, use what you have? If you don't know your neighbor, I give you a minute to introduce yourself or the person behind you. I don't necessarily say tell your neighbor, but I am going to tell you to tell somebody. So if you don't know who's around you, just take a minute and introduce yourself. Hallelujah. Use what you have. Listen, as we prep to enter into a new decade in approximately two and a half months, I want us to take a moment and reflect over this year. And I know for some of us, um, this has been a very trying year. And I know every year there's someone, there's some group that's able to declare this has been a trying year. But this year has been no different. It has been very trying and there have been, it's been a year of many ups and downs for some more downs than ups, amen? But as I thought about this, I saw how even in the midst of all of that, God has been faithful to keep his word that this year is the year of progression. Any witnesses say that 
you've experienced the progression in your life, whether on your job or new opportunities or whatever, uh, progression in your faith walk, a progression in your relationship with the Lord, that there has been progression. I'm sure like many, like me, many of you uh, um, expected the opposition, but not the opposition you perhaps received not through whom the opposition came and the level of warfare from the enemy. I have said for some time now that this has been a year of intense warfare. And there has never been anything that I've done for the Lord where there wasn't some level of warfare. But I'm telling you, it's so bold and outright and in your face in this season like I've never... During this time, I can't stand using season because things go on as long as God wants it to. But in this time, in this place, I've never experienced the level of warfare that I have. Um, it, it has been intense to say the least. But I'm so glad that even though some of it may have been surprising to me, it did not catch God off guard. Amen. Anybody else experience intense warfare? If I'm honest, some of it had me having to find my footing and scratching my head asking God, now what? And I wish I could tell you that I prayed and uh, fasted and immediately God spoke, but that's not my testimony. That's not how it's done. And so because of God's silence, as I shared a little bit on last week, because of his silence, I thought for sure what my husband and I had in our minds was to be so. But somebody say, then he spoke. God spoke. So some of you um, who were here on last week, this will be a repeat for you, but I just want to be uh, very, very clear that um, during a particular time this year, uh, Pastor and I found ourselves praying whether or not to continue with Harvest. We found ourselves uh, believing that we would for sure close the end of this year, that we would close the doors of Harvest the end of this year. Um, it no longer felt good. It no longer felt like what God had declared for harvest. And I've always said from the very beginning that if this became routine, if this became a going through the motions, that we would just shut the doors because we're not interested in meeting together and God's not in the mix. So in the midst. So I began to pray and ask God, how do we close the doors? How do we end um, this thing called harvest? And I remember one day in particular when I was praying and, and just crying, weeping, weeping, weeping before the Lord and asking him, God, I'm not asking you this with an attitude. I'm not asking you this because I want to quit. If you instruct me to keep going, you know me well enough. I will go. I'm not asking you because I want to stop. I'm asking you because this no longer feels good. This no longer looks like what you declare. And so, um, just very clearly, in a way I will never, ever forget, guys. God said to me so clearly, he said, you're not asking me the right question. And that thing puzzled me for just a minute. I didn't understand what he meant by saying I wasn't asking the right questions. I'm coming to you as humble as I know how to. My heart, I feel, is in the right place. I'm asking you, how do we do this? Because we want to do it the way you tell us to do it. And he said, you're not asking the right question. And so then it just came to me to say, how do we move forward from this place? How do we as a church body, uh, those, that of you, those that you have called to this place, how do we move forward from this place? And instantly, guys, there was this wonderful, wonderful response. He said, use what you have. 
Use what you have. And as I shared on last week, there was this great download, hallelujah, of information, a revision of sorts, and God reminding us of some things, but also adding to those things. He gave us new strategy and new insight, a new perspective. He gave us directions. He gave us how-tos and what not to do and what to do. He took my mind back to past experiences, and I was able to grab information from that, and it began to flow so quickly that I had to jump from where I was and write it down real fast so I wouldn't forget. And if I showed you that page of notes, it would be like scribbles to you, sideways, up one side and down the middle and up the other side, because I felt I didn't even have time to turn a page. The information was coming so quickly. So I uh, got up from that place with a new awakening of sorts, with a new direction, a new fire, a new passion. I can't even say renewed passion because it's passion that I did not have before. I can't even say a renewed vision because it's vision I did not have before. There was an excitement about carrying out the things that God had given me, the things that had been birthed from such a painful, confusing place. And so I got up from that place ready to build, ready to use what I had. And so to make it abundantly clear, no, we are not closing the doors of harvest. Thought. Just want to make that clear in case there's any confusion. Harvest ain't, we say like this, harvest ain't going nowhere. If we preaching to one person, pastor, we coming, we, we might be at the house because we can't pay the bills. We might be at the house, but we'll preach the word of God. If we got to stand in the parking lot, we're going to do what God tells us to do. Amen. So harvest is not closing. Can we give God praise for that one more time? So there's a new type of burden, if you will, for this ministry that was birthed in me, a desire to work and work with what I have, work with what we have became my focus. And I believe in our text, this is where Nehemiah was. He had received news of the condition of Jerusalem. And to say he was grieved uh, is an understatement. And he couldn't fake the burden that he felt. He couldn't fake the grief in his heart. So he goes before the king because, again, he's the cupbearer for the king. And during that time, just to make it clear for you, during that time as the cupbearer, that was a very prestigious uh, position to carry. You had, though, the responsibility to never go before the king in a grieving or, or a down kind of spirit. You had to go with the right spirit because what you're doing is taking a sip of what the king is drinking before he does. So if you come in looking sad, he's like, I ain't drinking that. You come in like something is wrong. Oh, what's going on in that cup today that got you looking like that? So you had your presence, your posture, had to reassure the king that everything was all right. Can you imagine that God looks to our posture? Woo! We look to him. What do you mean he looks to me for my posture to be right, for my attitude to be right, for me to, to be uh, have the right countenance in his presence? What do you mean? There's a responsibility for me to be in the right posture in the presence of my king? Yes. Because what? When we come into the presence of God, if we come in downtrodden and we come in, our posture is one of defeat. 
Our posture is one of sadness and uh, one that says there is no victory and all of that. What message does that send to the father? So Nehemiah had a responsibility to come before the king the right way. But he couldn't hide it. Ever been in a place where you can't hide it? <laughs> Ever been in a place where the grief and the burden of what God has called you to do or what you care for has you in such a posture that you can't even fake the funk no more? Anybody ever been there? Yeah, I'm in your presence. Yeah, I know that I have a responsibility for my posture to be right, for my countenance to speak the right things, for my countenance to be one of joy and of peace. But God, this right here got me feeling some kind of way and it's heavy for me. And please excuse me that I have to come in your presence showing what I feel. Forgive me. That yes, my hands are lifted, but tears are strolling down my face because I'm hurting and I'm grieving. Whew. Can you just give me credit for being here? <laughs> Can you give me credit for showing up even though I'm carrying what I'm carrying? And this is Nehemiah's uh, uh, position here in our text. He cannot hide the grief he feels. But I'm so glad, like our king, the king cared more about Nehemiah, and he knew Nehemiah enough to know that if you're coming in my, in my presence and your posture looks the way, it, what's going on? <laughs> he didn't judge him. He didn't condemn him. He said, what's going on? Because this isn't you. Something has to be grieving your heart in such a heavy way for you to come in my presence like this and I'm so glad to serve you notice that we serve a merciful God who knows us <laughs> hallelujah there are people who think they know you that's why I can't stand when folks say they know you don't know me you don't know me but God knows who we are he knows my name before my mother called me Sean he knew my name before purpose was awakened in me, he knew my name and he knew the plans that he had for me. The king knows Nehemiah. And so, Nehemiah, if you're coming before me in this way, what is going on? What's grieving your heart? What, what, what's got you so messed up that you've come in my presence this way? And Nehemiah goes on to share with the king the information he had gotten and how it grieved his heart and he wanted to go fix it. That God had placed a burden within him to go and fix it. The thing that had been torn down and the thing that had been burned, the thing that once stood strong had now fallen was the report Nehemiah had received. And so the king gives him permission and assures him that whatever resources he needed that he would have. Woo! They would be his. And Harvest, this is the word of, that God has given us. All Nehemiah needed was the same thing, Harvest, we need today. Approval and a word from the king. Lord have mercy. And willing workers who will help build. Willing workers who will use what they have to build. 
harvest. The king has spoken. He has given us permission to build. And he has promised whatever we need to do it, we shall have. We will have promotion and elevation, hallelujah, to hit this house in such a way. Testimonies will begin to ring forward at such a rate, hallelujah. We won't hardly be able to keep up. God will give us what you need will give you what you need not only to build your house but to build the kingdom yeah. I wish somebody will celebrate that's a word for you Whew. so in our text we see Nehemiah has now arrived and he has scoped out the work and it's not an easy task ahead by any means the walls had been broken through and the gates burned which left Jerusalem vulnerable Remember, he had only heard at this point before going to scope out. He had only heard of the condition that things were in. And I believe once he actually saw the... Once he actually saw what had taken place, the condition of things, the way things looked and how bad it really was, the drive to build was even stronger. And it is my prayer today that the drive to build stirs up on the inside of you, that God allows your mind to go back to what it used to be, to go back to what he said in the beginning and the desire to build, the, the, the desire to see things not restored, but better than before awakens on the inside of you it is my prayer that just as he did for me on my bedroom floor that he does the same for you just as I got up from that place with a renewed passion with more passion and more zeal than I had before with my sight not being distracted or not being caught up on how I felt and what I didn't like and how things were but I got up with clear sight I went down a little bit blurry but I got up with 2020 vision I was able to see a little more clearer I was able to feel what I needed to feel because God had given me a word to use what I had Woo! he had given me the promise and the assurance that he was with me and had gone before me and it is my prayer that God does the same for you, that as you find yourself in the place where you might be confused and can't put words to what you're going through and can't put words to what you feel, it is my prayer that God will begin to give you a supernatural download of strategy, that ministries and gifts that he's placed on the inside of you will begin to be stirred up and awakened. It is my prayer that when you were confused, now you have insight and clarity in the name of Jesus and he will stir something on the inside of you that won't allow you to rest unless you're operating in the thing he's called you to. Somebody shouted, ew, so. So we're looking for people to come and say, Pastor, God has given me this idea. God has placed this on the inside of me and I can't rest. I got to I got to do it. Can you show me how to do it? Or can you help me figure how to do this or, or when to do this and help me put this together that we might be what God has called us to be, that I might do what God has called me to do? Because can I tell you something? It is never the position of God to place you in a place to receive only. There is something within you 
wherever you are, on your job, in your family, in your church, whatever team you're on, there's something that God has placed in you that others stand in need of. And for these people, all they needed was the motivated voice of Nehemiah and a word from the king. And it's my prayer that he does this for you. So Nehemiah goes back. After scoping the land, Nehemiah goes back and he makes a passionate plea to the priests, the nobles, the officials, and others. And he declared with such passion, let's build. Let's build. And I love the way this is written because it didn't say I love this. It didn't say that he had to beg or convince them, brother. It didn't say that. He didn't have to talk them into it. They responded essentially by saying, let's do this. <laughs> that was already people ready to do the work. The New Living Translation says they declared, yes, let's rebuild the wall. And, began, and they began the good work. The King James Version says they responded by saying, let us rise up and build. The Amplified says they said, let us rise up. And it says they, they thoroughly supported the work. The message, message translation describes their response as, we're with you. Let's get started. Do we have anybody in here today that would declare, we're with you. Let's get started. Yeah. Woo! Can the builders make some noise in the house today? We're with you. Let's get started. There's a community we are meant that we are called, hallelujah, to impact. There are people that we are meant to impact that they might turn their lives over to Christ. Somebody say, let's get started. Woo. Real builders make some noise. Hallelujah. The bottom line is they did it. And they did it together. Y'all see all these oneness t-shirts in here today? We, we, we didn't call, I didn't call Sister Mel. Did I call you Sister Mel? Now my husband, he kind of copied me. He had another shirt, but then he saw my shirt and he went and got that shirt. But the rest of us, whew, it's not by coincidence or happenstance. Guys, in order to do this, we got to do it together. In order to be effective, in order to impact the communities with an S that we're meant to, to uh, impact, in order to impact the people that God was strategically placed in our path, whether they will come in our businesses, whether we will cross them in the stores. How many of you have been in a store or in a place and someone started a conversation with you and in the midst of that conversation they said, what church you go to? How many of you have? It gives opportunity. It gives opportunity to witness. It gives opportunity to share God's goodness. It's not about adding uh, people to harvest. Let me share something with you. We were in a service, Pastor and I, not too long ago, and the man of God was preaching, and he declared something in the atmosphere. But first he told his story, Elder Charles. He told his story. He said that things had kind of changed up in his church, and so he would go and he would pray for the empty seats. And he would pray for God to send people. And he said, one day while he was praying passionately, God told him, stop praying for those empty seats. What do you, what do you mean? Stop praying for me. I thought this is what you called us to do. 
We're a church. People come in to be changed, to be healed, to be delivered. I thought I was supposed to pray for you to send people. He said, pray for the ones you have. He said, because I'm about to promote them. Hallelujah. In such a way that they'll make up for the empty seats. That's, that's a whole lot better than y'all responding. Hallelujah. That I'm about to touch their lives in such a way that you won't even notice the empty seats. Come on here. Woo! Glory to God. Lord, if they don't want it, I want it. Glory to God. Bless us so we can be a blessing to the kingdom. Lord, y'all, there are sinners that he's placed in my spirit, that people would come, and even though the stuff is free, it wouldn't take away uh, their dignity, that it would still be set up like stores, and they could come in and browse through as if they were in a real store so that they're not ashamed of that. Come on. He's put uh, sinners in my spirit where people would be able to come and get food and eat and have food for their kids. Don't you know that right here in Hattiesburg, some kids, only get what they get at school that we would have a place harvest helping hands come on here that we would have a place where people are able to come in and get food for their homes daycares that are set up sister Mel the director daycares are set up and, and programs are in place for low income single moms to come in and get the help they need. This is the kind of stuff that's on the inside, the burden that he's given us to do, and I believe we have what we need to do it. All we need is some willing builders. Amen? Whew. So, bottom line is they did it, and they did it together. They were willing and cared enough to jump on board and build the only way, Harvest, again, this will work is if we build together. If we become a construction crew, so to speak. They were willing to work, not because Nehemiah had done such a great job at convincing them. I'm sure that might have had some uh, bearing on their decision and their willingness to do it. But what really won them was the fact that the king had given his approval. Harvest, the king has spoken and he approves of us. We exist because he spoke it. Hallelujah. We are still standing because it is the will of God. Hallelujah. That's good news to me. God, if he wasn't in it, we would have been fallen by the wayside. But because his approval is upon this place, hallelujah, we still stand today. Hallelujah. And God has given us a word that he approves and that he's for us. And everything we need, he will provide at the proper time. So go forth and be says the Lord go forth and do says the Lord go forth and become says the Lord go forth and I will sin go forth and I will add to go forth and I will provide you will lack nothing you will stand in need of nothing you will have what you need hallelujah you will have who you need and as you need more says the Lord I will send more can you glorify with the praise for his approval and his promise of provision. Whew. 
God, thank you so much. God, I'm grateful. Hallelujah. Y'all pray for me. God, thank you so much. So per usual, I want you to know, per usual, this is not without opposition. Nehemiah had to deal with Sanballat and Tobiah, Tobiah and Geshem. They had made fun of them and ridiculed them. There were several ways Nehemiah could have dealt with them. And I want to tell you how to rightly respond to the enemy who says that this cannot be, that this won't happen, that there's no way we can do this. Listen, Nehemiah could have ignored them. He could have simply not responded and they would have continued. And though it would have perhaps not bothered Nehemiah, over time it would have worn down the people. See, your response can't just be about you. Your response can't just be contingent or based upon what you can handle. But you got to keep people in mind, the people that are connected to you. So although it probably wouldn't have bothered Nehemiah because the king had given his approval to Nehemiah, the God had placed within Nehemiah the burden to rebuild. He had to share that, that word. He had to share that with passion to the people that then caused them to move. When you're the one that received the word, it hits you differently. But your responses, you have to be mindful of the people by the way you respond. Oh, Lord, he could have ignored them, but he but he didn't. He could have tried to explain to them. I don't know about you, but if I have to convince you of my heart and who I am and that my intentions are pure, that's my indication that you aren't a part of my life. You aren't a part of what I'm called to do. I'm over trying to convince people that I'm a good person. I'm over trying to convince people that I meant no harm. I'm over trying to convince people that I just want to do the will of God. Yeah. I have flaws. Yeah, I make mistakes, but my heart is tied to God, and I'm over trying to convince you of that. If you can't see the fruit of my labor, if you can't see the fruit of what I produce by saying yes to God, that's my indication that you aren't with me or for me. If I gotta convince you of my intentions, if you can't see in the spirit, you're so deep. But we're having to have conversations over and over again. No, 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 no. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm over that. I'm over it. Because if we step outside of our emotions, guys, and this is for me too, listen. If we step outside of our emotions and we begin to see this thing in the spirit, we'll see the truth behind certain uh, uh, attitudes and certain things for lack of a better word, I can't find my wording. We'll find uh, the realness, like we're talking about in Wednesday night. Hallelujah. The right, the real spirit behind someone's action. Actions, that's what I'm trying to say. We can't be caught up in the action and not see what caused this action. And I'll never forget, and you all may remember me telling this story of how I was in a line in a cashier. She was nasty. Just dragging my little bread across there, throwing my little lemons, lemons for my tea, throwing my stuff. And if I can be real honest without judgment, my first response would be like, babe, hold up. Nah, I ain't, nah, I ain't done nothing to you. I just got in the line. You want me to go over there to self-checkout, I'll go over there. But thank God for the Holy Spirit. Because he allowed me, Mom, to see past what she was doing. And it's as if, honestly, honestly, guys, honestly, it's as if 
her countenance went from this, and all of a sudden I could see this. And so I struck up a conversation and had such a beautiful moment with that cashier. But my first reaction, poo, was to be like, eat from my bread one more time. Guys, we got to take the time to see beyond. Just like we want people to see beyond when it comes to us. We, we got to, even if she was nasty, on per, even if she was just nasty. And uh, nobody would have blamed me for saying, throw my bread one more game. We still got to see beyond. We have the responsibility to react in a way that brings God glory, even when we have a right to act otherwise. <laughs> even when everybody would high five us, girl, and you should have said, and you should have did. We have a right to respond in a way that gives God glory. Because, yeah, they're wrong, but it's your test. Yeah, what they did, their action, their behavior is wrong, but it's set up for you. How will you respond? Will you extend the grace that you expect from everybody else? Come on, builders. Will you extend the love and the forgiveness and the mercy you expect from everybody else? Now, Brother Robert, I know I was wrong for what I did to you, but Lord, you're just going to hold it over my head? That's what I expect from you. I said I was sorry. You ought to just be over it. But that's not what I give to you. I remind you every chance I get of what you did. I'm making you pay for something years later that years ago you apologized for. And you know what? Brother Robert, even if you don't apologize, I still have a responsibility to respond in a way that gives God glory. As a builder. If not, you contaminate what you're building. And it may look real pretty on the outside, but if you blow on it, it'll fall. Because the wood got termites and whatnot. It's contaminated. So yeah, it's standing and it's cute, but there's no strength in it. Builders, we will be faced what that say, Justin? <laughs> we will be faced with times that we have to extend grace and it might not be easy. But as a builder, we have a responsibility to do that so that we can become the strong team that God has called us to be. We can't do this as one with different agendas and different spirits operating and all of that stuff. So... They responded and they said, let's do this, right? And then here comes opposition. Says that he could have ignored them. He could have tried to explain. And then he could have invited them to join in, which is probably, if we're honest, what they really wanted. <laughs> they didn't like the fact that he had come in and was doing this and didn't even ask them to help. What the world? So in actuality, they probably, just want, he probably, they probably wanted him to say, Sam Malley, come on, we need you. Come on, Sanballat, we need you. Come on, Tobiah, we need you. Come on, Geshem, we need y'all. Because Geshem initially wasn't even a part of it. They went and recruited him. Come on, you over here doing it. I don't know what they think they're doing. Come on, Geshem, let me show you what they over here doing. Let's go laugh at them and make fun of them. And he jumped on board. 
What are you talking people into? <laughs> what are you persuading people to do? So they come and they're making fun. But Nehemiah realizes something that he, you have to be careful who you connect with. So I love the way Nehemiah did respond. He didn't ignore him. He didn't try to explain. And he didn't invite him in. He said, number one, this is God's work. He has called us to this, to this and we will succeed. Number two, we belong to God. We are his servants. Believers, builders, there is protection in that declaration. I am not my own. I belong to him. Number three, he said, the enemy has no place in what's happening. You ain't got no place in this. You have no authority in this by law or otherwise. You have no place here. Before he even rears his head, before the enemy even rears his head, he is defeated. He has no authority or power in this. The king has spoken. And the enemy can't override, override the king. <laughs> so as we use what we have, he would send those to join the work. As we use what we have, we'll discover we have more than enough. As we use what we have, he our king will give the increase. Harvest, we are about to enter into our more than place. Oh, God, our more than place with God. Your testimony is about to change. Hallelujah. I used to have just enough, just enough money to make it, just enough joy to keep smiling, just enough peace to not lose my mind, just enough strength to keep going. But my testimony has changed. I have more than enough. Oh, God, as I use what I have. Hallelujah. As I use what I have, I realize there have been some things that have been dormant on the inside of me. There have been some things I never realized I possessed. Lord have mercy. But as I use what I have, there's a spiritual awakening that's taking place on the inside of us. You don't have to go get anything. You already have what you need to get started. You don't have to look for additional help. You already have who you need to get started use what you have move come on stand up on your feet use what you have you have more than enough lord have mercy i know you're used to dealing in just enough just enough to get by just enough to keep smiling just enough to show up but god's about to motivate you in a different way god's about to change your testimony from just enough to more than enough use what you have god will add the increase Use what you have. God will add the increase. Make up in your mind. I'm ready to get started. I'm ready to build not just the church that I'm a part of, but I'm ready to build in my own life. These have been dormant for too long in my own life. I have the supplies I needed. I have the resource I need, and I'm ready to build. My life can no longer remain the same. And as I change, things around me have to change. As I build me things around me have to come up come on I'm gonna use what I have to not only impact the kingdom but I'm gonna use what I have to change me
Come on, just move from where you are and encourage somebody. Use what you have. Use what you have. Come on, builder. Use what you have. You have the nails. I got the hammer. You got the saw. I got the, the wood. Come on, let's build. Let's build. Come on, tell them, let's build. I know you're tired. Let's build. Let's build. The king has spoken. The king has given his approval. It's time to build. You don't have to look for more. You have everything you need. You have everything you need. All God is waiting on is a yes from you. All God is waiting on is a made up mind from you. Use what you have. Use what you have. When you make up in your mind to use what you have, your life will change forever. When you say, God, I'm going. If I have to go by myself, you'll find you're not alone not only is he with you but he surrounded you with some strong builders hallelujah somebody shout I'm gonna use what I have you bring the hammer I got the nails use what you have I need what you got and you need what I have And together we can make something beautiful. Together we can make something that glorifies God. Together we can build something that will cause people's lives to be changed forever. So no, we're not quitting. We're building. No, we're not closing. We just opened up to something so new and exciting. Hallelujah. Harvest is here to do the work. And all we need is some builders. Amen.